Praise God. I want to encourage you guys, uh, if you haven't, if you haven't heard the Bethel series that we've done, there's four parts to it. Uh, we're doing a Q&A. There may end up being a fifth part, but we're doing a Q&A uh, this uh, coming up real soon, so keep posted for that. In fact, you'll be able to catch that live and be part of it if you go to YouTube. And uh, we'll be doing that Thursday afternoon. And a lot of times, sometimes we get a couple hundred people on there just live commenting and so forth, which is great. And uh, sometimes, you know, thousands will watch it that first day. So we encourage you to check that out uh, because we're doing Q&A on the Bethel series along with some other questions that have come up. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, I just want to encourage you guys too to uh, keep Chuck and Lola or Chuck in prayer because uh, Lola went on to be with the Lord, you know, uh, just, you know, a week ago uh, and just over a week ago. And uh, praise God for where she's at. She's rejoicing the Lord, you know. We have no doubt about that. She, she loved Jesus, you know. And we had the burial today. And one of the things I talked to Chuck about before we actually did the burial, it was just uh, him talking about how uh, she was all about Jesus, you know. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And his relationship with her, and her was with him, and the kids, and brothers and sisters, and their intimate, the intimate friends, and so forth. And she was all about Jesus, and Chuck is as well, as you know. And uh, they've been two of the most awesome worship leaders we've ever had in this fellowship. So uh, it's going to be, it's, we, we've lost an incredible sister first and foremost, right? Uh, but she's not lost. She's never been more found, amen? She's in the hands of the Lord. Uh, but the Lord gained another worship, uh, worshiper at his throne. So it's very beautiful. But keep Chuck and uh, the kids in prayer. Uh, that's important that we do do that, you know. Krista and Justin and the, the larger family as well. Uh, because we're going to need it at this time, you know. And looking forward to the memorials coming up Saturday. Uh, we're going to do that at Rocky Peak in an outdoor setting, you know. They kindly le- allowed us to use uh, their grounds for that. So thankful for that. But uh, what a beautiful family. And uh, just keep them in prayer. And Father, we do pray that you would bless Chuck and the kids and everybody uh, that have been close, that's been close to Lola that's just got this sense of hurt in their hearts because uh, rejoicing because we know where she's at, but a sense of uh, hurt and not being able to spend time with her for many years to come, perhaps. And uh, just pray you bless Chuck, the kids, extend your hand and hold them close to you in your son's name. Amen. So Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 4. You know, it's amazing uh, when I was looking back at some of my notes on Ecclesiastes and what I'd been preaching on it, and I realized, wow, I did Ecclesiastes 10.1, you know, 10.2, 10.3, one was called Flying the Ointment, one was How to Spot a Fool, there was actually three different messages I had done in Ecclesiastes, and it was kind of interesting because I wanted to pick up a few verses at once as I set into the study and try to pick up the pace a little bit, but I couldn't get out of verse 4. And uh, if you look at commentaries on verse 4, there's very, very little said on verse 4. Sometimes a commentator will take verse 4, 5, 6, 7 together and say very little about the entire section. But I was really uh, encouraged the more I thought about verse 4 and prayed about it and thought, wow, there's a lot here to think about. Ecclesiastes 10.4, and I'm tempted to just start reading from verses 1 to 4, which I'm not going to do because the thoughts are poignant but they stand alone as well. 
And in chapter 10, verse 4, he says, If a ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position, because composure allays great offenses. And I just thought this verse, and I prayed about it, I thought about it, I thought this verse is really fascinating because uh, some commentators take the idea of don't abandon your position, mean don't give yourself over to anger and continue to be composed, you know. But I think it's best understood when you compare how the language is used in Isaiah and elsewhere uh, that it's talking about not abandoning your post, you know, not taking your ball and, you know, throwing down the gauntlet and saying, I'm going to, you know, I just don't like the way things are going. And it's quite interesting. If the ruler's temper rises against you, that means, uh, you know, say a uh, advisor is advising a monarch, right? And he believes he's right in what he's advising the monarch. And the monarch refuses uh, to see his viewpoint and explodes in rage and anger and says despicable things to him, you know, and, you know, publicly, you know, just brutalizes him. The tendency would be at that point, like, well, I'm going to, you know, it might be tough with a king there, right, or a monarch, but I'm going to move out of this, uh, I don't know if this is my calling, you know, and we have to be very, very careful uh, that we make sure that we're serving the Lord, amen, and uh, sometimes you may, somebody might lose their cool, uh, and they might, you know, be harsh on you or what have you, and the temptation could be uh, the enemy can dangle, just abandon ministry. How many people have actually fallen away from the faith, used to be involved in uh, serving the Lord, but have fallen away from the faith because, you know, something goes on in ministry or say, you know, there's a scandal at a church and, and they don't want to serve anywhere, anytime again in their whole lives, you know. And we don't serve men. Paul said, if I was a servant of man, if I sought to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of God. So we put God first and foremost. I thought this passage is very interesting because uh, it's talking about remaining steadfast in the Lord and being bold. In fact, go back to chapter 8, verse 3. It's a similar thought there. I thought it's, it's kind of fascinating. Verse 2 and 3, I say, keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave him. Do not join in an evil matter, for he will do whatever he pleases. So this is very, very similar. Uh, do not leave in an evil matter, for he will do whatever he pleases. In other words, you know, now we're talking about, you know, serving a king in this case. Uh, when we're serving the king of kings and the Lord of lords, amen, he never does wrong, Amen. We don't always understand his ways. Sometimes we're like, you know, we're perplexed. But we understand that he's good and that he's incapable of doing evil. And when we get that through our hearts and our heads, we can, we'll never doubt the Lord. And we ought not doubt the Lord. We can doubt how we understand certain things he does, but we don't doubt his character, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his goodness, his mercy, his love. He's incapable of doing evil. He's in incapable of being tempted to do evil, it says in James 1, 13 through 15. Yet the idea here is full vent to rage, it seems, where uh, chapter 10, verse 4, it seems more like harboring a, a position of, of resentment. And I thought it was interesting because I thought, well, Lord, what, how do I apply this passage, you know? And I thought, in the days in which we're living, and it's kind of interesting because right now there's rebellion throughout our nation, Amen. 
Uh, there's a lot of rebellion, people burning down buildings. Uh, we're seeing prophecy fulfilled before our eyes. You know, the Bible talks about how there would be all this unrest. There would be kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. I was talking to a gal who uh, hadn't been in this fellowship for years and years and years and lives, you know, in a different town, goes to another fellowship. And I saw her, she said, wow, Joe, I was remembering years and years ago, it was probably 20 years ago, she said, and I, I was talking to her, she goes, and how you were saying nation against nation is the Greek word means ethnic group against ethnic group. It's ethnos against ethnos. She goes, that's exactly what you were warning. You're saying, and it was Jesus that was warning about it. I was just saying, this is what Jesus said is coming. And there's going to be people that stir up ethnic uh, problems, amen? Ethnic group against ethnic group. And you see a lot of the liberal news outlets trying to pour, you know, gasoline on the fire, trying to stoke flames of division and hatred and anger. And Jesus said along with that would come the increase of lawlessness. So we're seeing, this is all in Matthew 24 regarding the end times. And we're seeing that take place before our very eyes. And we talked about that for some time, that this is exactly what we're seeing. And it's important to understand that it's also in that context that Jesus said many will fall away because he said the love of many will grow cold. And there'll be persecution of Christians and Christians, of all people, true, genuine Christians are the least racist people on the earth because we believe we're all created in God's image. We believe Jesus died for everyone, amen? We believe that we share the same blood. We believe that we have the same uh, Christ Christians, whether you're red, brown, yellow, black, or white, we're all precious in his sight, amen? And we're all gonna serve him and praise God according to Revelation chapter seven together throughout all eternity. There'll be, you know, he saw people before the throne worshiping God in Revelation 7 from all, every nation and, and people and, and tongue and so forth. And, uh, and that's why we rejoice in the diversity in our fellowship, amen? We love it. We love the diversity. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, you know? So it's interesting. Uh, genuine Christians will stand up, you know, uh, for the truth and what's right and so forth. But we will not jump into political movements that are destructive for the sake of being destructive. And we will not allow the enemy to steer us. The Bible says, don't run with the crowd in the Exodus. Don't run with the crowd to do evil, amen? So we have marching orders from the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And our marching orders are to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And not be moved from the left to the right, but be steadfast. And when things get hot, right? And we're getting persecuted and it's harder and harder to take a stand. We don't leave our posts, amen? And I just think it's interesting that you have all kinds of people that they say in polls right now, it looks like Trump is gonna lose for, from a lot of the polls by quite a bit. But they're also saying it's hard to tell because a lot of people are having a hard time saying that they would vote for Trump right now because of all the disdain in the popular mainstream media, right? And I thought whether you support Trump or not, it's not my point. My point is, there's gonna come a time where it gets really hard to stand for Jesus. A lot harder than it is now. And remember, you know, the prophet Jeremiah warned, if you can't run with the foot soldiers, right? And that's the first message I, I gave when this stuff started going down. You know, how are you gonna run with the chariots when the chariots come in the thickets of the Jordan? in the jungle where there's lions, right? And there's chariots and your face. How are you, you going to stand then? If we can't stand right now, amen? Father, give us grace and power to stand and not leave our post and stand up for Jesus, amen? So I'm applying this 
that we have a king who is perfect. And if we're not to leave the post of a monarch because he doesn't take our advice, how much more should we not leave our post in following Jesus, who's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and is perfect, amen? And never tells us anything but that which is perfect, amen? Let's stand our post. Now, it's interesting because a lot of people are leaving their post right now in following Christ because it's going to get harder. I'm trying to tell you guys for a long time, it's going to get hot. So you wouldn't freak out when it got hot. When I had a debate with Dr. Stoffer in Colorado, in Twin Peaks, at a pre-trib prophecy conference that they have over and over again, and I was invited to debate him as the climactic spectacle, if you will, in a debate. I went for, I think, four or five hours, you know. You can watch it for free on YouTube, you know. And at the end of it, the question, there was question and answer time. Or I should say there was not question and answer time. There was more, what are the consequences, do you believe, of the other view if the other view is wrong? And I gave quote after quote after quote, not just from Tim LaHaye, a pre-trib leader who says, well, you know, if the rapture is not pre-trib, you know, it's, it's not the blessed hope, he says, it's the blasted hope, I mean, we have no hope. I thought, wow, how sad that is, you know? And I quoted pre-trib after pre-trib from different websites, and I was looking at different things pre-tribs were saying about, you know, what if Jesus doesn't come in the pre-trib rapture? I found several. I shared probably four or five that, 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 in that session, if I, my memory serves me right. But they said, if God lets us go through the tribulation, then he's evil, you know? Things like that. And I thought, look, this is a recipe for apostasy I've been saying for years, People are thinking we're not going to go through heavy trials. God wouldn't allow us to go through heavy trials. Have you read about what the apostles went through? Have you read how Peter was crucified upside down? Did you read how uh, in church history, how Paul was beheaded by Nero? You about Mark being beat, beaten with a fuller's club. You see James being killed right there in the book of Acts with a sword. You know, uh, just read through church history. Justin Martyr, Martyr wasn't his last name. Okay, he was martyred. Okay, church, some of the church fathers, a lot of the early Christians were killed. And a lot of our Christian brothers and sisters are being killed more than they've ever been because there's more Christians than ever before in the last 20, 30 years in that period than in 20, any 20 or 30 year p- history or period in church history. What we have here in the United States, Australia, New Zealand, and not having been persecuted like these other areas is an anomaly. It's not normal. The Christian faith is typically, Christians have typically been persecuted to great degrees. And things are going to change. It's going to get harder. It's going to get hotter. And that's why Jesus said, I'm telling you these things ahead of time. So when these things take place, you won't fall away. He warned that it's going to get hot. He said he told us ahead of time so we won't fall away. So we'll know it's coming. That way, he said, when we see these things, we won't freak out. Because he said the hearts of many will fail them for fear of things coming on the earth. They're not ready for them. Many of them don't think they should be here. How could God let me go through this? But he tells us these things. So when they do happen, he says, we'll lift up our heads, knowing that a redemption draws nigh, and he is at the door. Amen? We should say that means Jesus is getting closer. Praise God. I'm going to get excited about that fact. Amen? But I want us, in the midst of trying to man our post for Jesus, not only not abandon them, but be bold in our stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, it's interesting when you look at chapter 10, verse 4, if a ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position, but what? 
because composure allays great offenses. When you have composure in a situation you're led by the Holy Spirit, amen, you can allay great offenses. And this, similar to that, a soft answer turns away wrath. Amen. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we're called to be peacemakers. Amen. Take a stand on God's word, not compromise his word. That's why you see me supporting everything I can by the word of God. And it's interesting, that word right there, composure, is translated calmness. Uh, And it's interesting, it's translated yielding in the King James. It's translated as remedy in 2 Chronicles 36.16, as health in Proverbs 4.22, as cure in 33.6 of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 6. In Proverbs 14.30, we read, a tranquil, it's translated tranquil there, a tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. In Proverbs 15.4, it's translated soothing. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. So in the midst of taking a stand for Jesus, we want to remain composed. We don't want to freak out. A lot of crazy st- We're with the foot soldiers right now, barely. This is the beginning of birth pains, guys. And if you can't run, if you can't run with the footmen, how are you going to stand when the chariots come, the horsemen come? And when you see the four horsemen of the apocalypse, Revelation chapter Six, get going. Are you going to be able to stand? Especially as it gets worse and worse and worse in this world and there's more and more famine, there's more and more war, there's more and more disease. We need to stand right now and not freak out right now and not be divided and get all upset with our brothers and sisters right now. We need to love one another, amen? Be patient with one another, encourage one another, stand for Jesus, amen? So it's interesting because we cannot have calmness, tranquility, peace from the flesh. It only comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, amen, in us. That's why we need to be praying in the Spirit. And when I say praying in the Spirit, I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. Although if you have the gift of tongues, praise the Lord. Let it be between you and God, it says. Don't make it out loud unless you have an interpreter, the Scriptures say. But some say praying in the Spirit, that refers to speaking in tongues. No, in the book of Jude, it talks about how we're all supposed to be praying in the Spirit. Not everybody has a gift of tongues. First Corinthians 12, it says, do I all speak with tongues? It's a rhetorical question which demands the answer, no. Not everybody has the same gifts. But we're all called to pray in the Spirit. That simply means to be praying according to God's Word and praying according to God's will as revealed in His Word and seeking the Father's will and praying as the Holy Spirit encourages you in aspects of His Word or in aspects of your life that, where the Word of God applies to you in given moments or given times or when you're facing a certain situation, saying, Father, in Jesus' name, lead me and help me as I pray and I seek you and I cry out to you and help me obey your Word in this situation. And the Holy Spirit can speak to your hearts as you cry out to the Lord and He'll often do that. He'll often convict you before you're even thinking of praying the way you ought to be praying and encourage you to pray for a situation. I'll give you some examples of that in a little bit. But the Scriptures warn that terrible times are coming. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. In the last days, perilous times will come. Difficult times. Terrible times. Those are all translations of the same passage. And I won't I often quote the entire passage there, or much of it, but it just talks about people hating that, those that are good, right? Lovers of self, lovers of pleasures more than God. All sorts of things without love, without family love, literally in the Greek. Without storge. Storge is a Greek word without 
family love. And man, we're seeing a return to Sodom and Gomorrah right now. The second coming of Sodom and Gomorrah is happening before our eyes. And we're in such times. And as Christians, we have to take a stand for what's right. You see, we've got mass baby murder going on in our country, all these things. And as Christians, we can't act like, okay, I'm just not going to say anything. I don't want people to know I'm a Christian. I'll be an undercover Christian, a secret agent for Jesus. No, don't try to be a secret agent for Jesus, man. Say, God, give me boldness to be able to speak and proclaim your name and encourage people and say, hey, yes, I do believe in the Lord God. I do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, it's interesting because Jesus encouraged us that the Holy Spirit would give us ability not just to take a stand and not be moved, but also to be bold. Also to be bold. In Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, it says, when they bring you before, well, let's go there. Go to Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke 12, 11 and 12. And we read, and I love this. I love this little passage here. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. When they bring you before synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how, uh, or, how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say for the what. The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Do you believe that? We ought to believe that. It's truth, you know. And the Holy Spirit will use us. He'll speak to us. He'll speak through us. He says how or what. So you don't have to muse, okay, how exactly am I going to say this? Or what am I going to say? You should be praying, Lord, use me when I go before this leader. And it's interesting because then you go to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. This was stated, it's very similar to what we just read, but it's quite a bit different as well. And it might seem like a parallel verse. It's not parallel to the time period though. Because Jesus taught this more than once because he wanted to apply to various situations one specific type of time period, another one more general, which I think is brilliant because it really helps us by way of how, how we're to apply this passage to our lives or these verses. So Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. And we go ahead and look, pick it up at... Uh, Verse 11, when they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is who? The Holy Spirit, right? Brother will betray brother to death, verse 12, and the father his child and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures the end, he will be saved. But when you see the what? The abomination of desolation standing where it should not be. Let the reader understand. Which is really interesting because you have that in the book of Daniel. You know, referring to the book of Daniel. Because Jesus says, this was spoken of Daniel the prophet. You have a tie into the abomination of desolation, uh, the Antichrist in Revelation 13. When it says it's number of man, it's numbers 300 or 666. And that says, let him as understanding count the number of the beast. So it ties these passages together. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. And he goes on. He's talking about the Antichrist. So what's really fascinating to me about this is during the tribulation period that's coming up, we're supposed to, if we're brought before kings, leaders, we're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit to speak, to speak boldly by the Holy Spirit. 
and not freak out and say, what am I going to do? My point is this, guys. When things get rough, when things get hard, when things get hot, you don't leave your post. You stand boldly for Jesus. Amen. And you recognize that God will show up. He will be with you. And this is in the context of the gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world. as what well as all nations. Then the end will come. What we're reading here in Mark 13, you also read a bit in Matthew 24 and in Luke 21. All three are the Olivet Discourse. What the discourse that Jesus gave to teach about the end time tribulation period and how we're to survive spiritually at that time and to take a stand and not fall away. And one thing he wants to encourage us in is not only watch the signs and recognize these are signposts, the fact that he's coming, but the fact that he will boldly give you the power of the Holy Spirit to make you stand and to speak through you and use you and me to testify at that time. Amen? Doesn't mean you won't get killed. I mean, he prophesies. The Holy Spirit uses the two witnesses who prophesy, says for 1,260 days. Don't tell me the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. They prophesy throughout the tribulation period for 1,260 days. And guess what? They're finally put to death by the Antichrist. So guess what? That can happen too. Just because you're standing for Jesus, okay, well, God's going to, you know, he's going to really just put a shield around me. There's nothing that can happen to me wrong. He might take you to heaven, which is the best thing that can happen to you. He might allow you to die as a testimony for him. Peter rejoiced in the Lord. After he denied the Lord, he wept bitterly. But when he heard that Jesus told him in what way he would glorify him in his death, that must have been such a blessing to Peter's life. So there's nothing I would rather have, and I pray about it once in a while, that, Lord, I leave this planet glorifying you, living for you with a strong testimony because my heart breaks when you see these men of God, professing men of God, some real, some fake, and all of a sudden, what happened to them? You know, they no longer even proclaim Christ or they're pre- preaching some strange doctrine. So my constant prayer is, Lord, help us stand faithful to the end. And may I stand faithful as a witness, not only to my wife and my children and my grandchildren, but to my own brothers and sisters whom I love so dearly, but mostly so I stand faithful to you because you gave yourself for me, you love me, and you're so good. Amen? And we ought to be praying, each and every one of us, look what Jesus has done for you guys. Look what he's done. He has, he has scars throughout you know, his hands, his feet, his side, his head still. When John sees him in Revelation chapter 5, he sees him as a lamb that has been slain. He still bears the scars of those wounds. That's God becoming a man for you. How could we dare turn our back on Jesus? How could we dare spit upon his thorn-scarred brow? Amen? May the Lord give us grace to stand. And empowerment to serve him. We have such a wimpy, mamby-pamby form of Christianity today, which is afraid to die for Jesus and die for the testimony of Jesus Christ. But that's how the saints in Revelation chapter 15, who don't take the mark of the beast, they get victory over the beast through their deaths and they stand before the sea of glass in Revelation chapter 15. Talks about how they had victory over the beast. They died. Well, it says in Revelation chapter 13, the beast will make war on the saints and overcome them. So they did, the, the saints don't destroy the Antichrist. That's not how we get victory. Jesus gets the victory in the end. Amen. He comes back and destroys the Antichrist and the false prophet. We get victory by following his example and not being fearing man, but, but serving Jesus to the point of death if it, if it calls for it. Amen. You say, but yeah, I'd love to die for Jesus, but that doesn't usually happen to most believers. Yeah, you know what? You could die for Jesus every day, Right? Minute by minute, hour by hour, with small cuts and bullets that you take for Jesus. Amen? That's how we ought to be living. So I choose to, the Bible says, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Amen? 
Make your life all about Jesus. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him. Live boldly for him. Amen? And there's a death that Paul says, I die daily. And we die daily by way of application for us by putting him first. Now, in Mark chapter 13, he's dealing with the Holy Spirit speaking through us. And it won't just be the two witnesses. Jesus said when he commissioned us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations, you have to keep in mind, in Matthew 24, verse 14, right before verse 15, where it talks about the abomination of desolation that sits in the holy place, or stands in the holy place. Right before that is verse 15, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then the end will come, amen? So we're to preach the gospel in the midst of that ugliness going on. We don't say, oh, the Antichrist is here. You know? No, yeah, guess what? I serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He could just go switch to the Antichrist. I'm not minimizing the power of the Antichrist that Satan will have through him. What I'm talking about is you keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? He's in control. Neither height nor depth nor principality or power. Any other created thing, even, even demon cannot separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You just abide in your faith. You keep trusting Jesus. Amen? And you're in great place. You keep your composure in Jesus. Things are getting ugly. But man, I look at the apostles and they went through so much. And there were a time, there was a time when the apostles of Jesus were afraid of their own shadows. They're huddled in a, behind a door, closed locked doors. Then there's another time, not long after that, where they stood boldly as lions. Amen? And they preached the gospel in the face of death. And there's a, two significant things that happened that we're to latch onto if we're to be bold in these last days. Now, in chapter 13 of Mark, the context is definitely the last days. But the context, not just for the tribulation period, but the last days could also generally speak of, of the period between Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and his second coming. Because it talks about Hebrews, how the last days are upon us. And the end of the ages, it says, Paul says, are upon us. So, but when we talk about the tribulation period, we're talking about the last of the last days, if you want to get really technical, you know. But I'll tell you what. I believe these promises whereby the Holy Spirit will use us and speak through us apply not only to the last of the last days, the tribulation period, but also to any significant time after Christ gave them until now and in the tribulation period. Why do I believe that? Well, Revelation or Mark 13 is speaking of the great commission going out, the gospel kingdom being preached to all the worlds that wins to all the nations, Matthew 24, 14, which is a, a parallel passage to Mark 13, makes that clearer. And we know we have boldness. We know we have power specifically at that time. Because in Revelation 12, we read it right here, by the way, Mark 13, verse 11, but also Revelation 12, 10. John felt the feet of an angel to worship him. The angel says, see to it that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, John's brethren, who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we can prophesy prophetically empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak according to God's word, the, the radicalness, the wonderfulness, the awesomeness, the kingship, the saviorhood, the, 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 re, that the fact that Jesus is the redeemer, amen, the fact that he is the only way to the Father, the fact that he alone gave his life for us, amen. And we testify by the power of the Holy Spirit of his shed blood for the sins of the world. And the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. As we used by the Lord God, we preach and we proclaim what he's done and that it's so true not only for the tribulation period, but guess what? For all of time right now. Right? Until he returns, amen? Because when Jesus gave them the great commission at the end of Matthew 28, the end of the gospel of Matthew, 
Just before he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, all nations, amen, teaching them to observe all things that are commanded you, Lord, I'm with you always, or then baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right before he said that, he says, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And it's not the word dunamis, which you often see with power. It's the word that is for authority. He has authority, all authority over any demon, anything, man. It's given to him. And then right at the book end, the last verse, that bookends those verses about going into all the world. He says, and lo, I'm with you always, even in the end of the age. Amen. The point is, is all power is given to me, all authority, and I'm with you to the end of the age. We're not to fear any man. What can man do to us? The worst he could do, the worst he could do is kill you, which is the best thing that could happen to you because you'll be sent straight to heaven. Amen. That's reality. But guess what? Well, yeah, Joe, I can see that applies to the tribulation period, but what about right now? Well, I just read Luke 12 before this. And in Luke 12, he says that, you know, when they bring you before synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, right? And he's not talking about the tribulation period. He's talking about the persecution that happens in the book of Acts and after the book of Acts and will also continue to happen throughout the world until the very end and will happen during the tribulation period. So we're dealing with two different things, but they, they basically, you know, complement each other. Synagogues, authorities, rulers, general persecution, the Holy Spirit will still give you utterance at those times, not just the tribulation period. Are you with me? That's pretty cool to know, isn't it? He's not just saying that the Holy Spirit will show up during that last small period of time when the Antichrist is reigning. He's saying that when you find yourself in situations where you're concerned and you need to testify for Jesus, rely on the Holy Spirit. He'll give you utterance. He'll give you words. Amen? I think that's so, so powerful. And it's so, so beautiful. So, number one, it's not just speaking of the tribulation period. Number two, it's not just speaking of leaders during the tribulation period. It's speaking of different contexts, synagogues, rulers, authorities. God wants to use us. He wants to use us in radical, radical ways. You know, and I'm a firm believer, even though we expose a lot of stuff like what we've been exposing in Bethel lately, a lot of the circus stuff that's going on, a lot of the clown shows that are going on that doesn't really represent the work of the Holy Spirit, where there's all kinds of false prophecies being given, where they even admit that they're making false prophecies. In fact, a badge of being a prophet at Bethel, according to Johnson, the leader, Bill Johnson, we play a clip of him in the first one. I hope you've seen the four-part series, guys. If you haven't seen the four-part Bethel series, you're missing out on stuff that you should know so you can warn other believers and you can know. But he basically says you can't really be a graduate of our system, our supernatural school of ministry, or whatever he's talking about specifically at that time. He says, unless you've made some false prophecies. What? Making false prophecies is what makes you a bona fide real prophet of God? Biblically, you make one false prophecy, you get stoned to death, you know. But he knows that they're full of false prophets, and he himself is one. And, but at the same time, we don't cast the baby out with the bathwater. We know that the testimony of Jesus exists, and there's a counterfeit of the reality because there is a reality. And God wants to use true believers that sincerely love Jesus, that adhere to God's word, and revere and fear him and love him and bow before him. It would never want to utter even a word that would be contrary to his expressed will that would lead anyone astray or would just be like a knife in the heart that would put you on your face in tears saying, Lord, may I never ever prophesy again if you claim to be a prophet, some kind of prophet and you have a word that's contrary to God's word, man. If you if you're truly fear God, you'd be on your face. You'd never say anything again in the name of Jesus as far as like a prophetic word. We have to fear him and love him if we know him. Amen? 
Now, it's important, it's very, very important uh, that we recognize God does want to supernaturally use us. You know, today was a, a time of a lot of tears, you know. My wife and I uh, were at the uh, burial for Lola, and we went to Rosemead, and it was, it was a beautiful time because we know where she's at. So it was a time of celebration, yet it was a time of tears, you know. And uh, it, it hurt even sharing that she's gone because, and, you know, my wife and I, and, you know, I've had a lot of tears over it because I think she's, she's been such a special sister, and she loves the Lord so much, and we're going to miss her, you know. But it's interesting, I had, a, had had a dream that I'd shared with Chuck about, I don't know, a week and a half ago or so when I was visiting his house, and uh, maybe two weeks now, one of the visits, and I let him, because I told my wife, right, when she got up, I go, I had a strange dream. And because at that time, I was more, I was focused on the family, but I was more focused on what Lola was going through uh, and praying that I'd say the right words to her to encourage her. And I know she has, she has such a blessed family, you know, her, her, her husband, her children, and Linda, Linda Witt, you know, and all the sisters and brothers that, that love them and Many people showed up to help them in so many ways, and people that couldn't show up. Whole COVID thing was been going on. Everything so it's hard to you know for a lot of people and all that. And she's also weak and everything, so it's not like you just everybody just come. So it's, it's a difficult time right now, and and I was I'd been praying that I'd share the right words with her just to encourage her at this time, you know, because people go through a lot of things when you're facing death, you know, and uh, so the Lord gave me a dream, and I wasn't absolutely sure it was from the Lord because I'm very, very careful about that. But there's a number of times the Lord's given me dreams that came to pass where I said, oh, that was you, Lord. And in pastoral ministry, I'm juggling a thousand and one things. So sometimes God will just get my attention. Hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. And I had a dream and I told my wife, it goes interesting because I, I, I saw Chuck and it was in like a, 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 a spiritual service type setting, but it wasn't at Blessed Hope. And I go, he was sitting down and he was crouched over sitting down. And he had his head in his hands and he was crying and he was so distraught, you know. And I said, uh, I just want to go give him a hug and encourage him, tell him I love him, you know. And uh, I woke up and I was like, you know, uh, Lord, I think you're telling me to make sure, you know, I, I don't just encourage Lola, but make sure I'm spending time encouraging Chuck. But Chuck's one of those brothers. If you know Chuck, he's such an awesome Christian too, like Lola, right? On fire for the Lord, love for truth, just a beautiful man of God. And uh, so what happens sometimes when you see people though, that are strong in the Lord, sometimes you don't realize they need encouragement when they're going through hard times more than you might think. And with Chuck and Lola, their relationship has been so amazing. I just, one of those couples I just love seeing together, right? And, and I thought in my dream, she hadn't died yet. You know, it was days before she would die, maybe four or five days or so. I can't remember exactly. But he was distraught and just in a, in a place of just pain. And I woke, woke up and I said, I think the Lord's telling me I need to go over there even more right now because I had to just ch juggle my schedule around, which was no big deal. I could do it. So, you know, I went over there. And then the last two days before we left, because I knew I was going to Mexico on a mission trip. So I was like, Lord, how am I going to do this? Because I, she's getting closer and I just felt she was going to be gone, you know, when she, we're on the mission trip. And so I went there like two days in a row uh, right before we went to Mexico. And we went to Mexico. We got up like 4, 4.30 in the morning or something like that. And... Uh, and I make sure I encourage not only her, but Chuck. And the last day we went there, you know, uh, I went there was just for a little bit. She was, family was held around her, you know, from different places. And, and she wasn't conscious. And the day before, she opened her eyes a few times, which was great. And, and we saw her a little bit before that, and, uh, which was just awesome. But uh, I just encouraged Chuck and let him know how much I love him and 
Didn't even know if I should share that dream with him because, you know, wasn't sure it was, absolutely sure it was from the Lord, you know. But I thought, I think, Lord, I'm going to make good of it either way. I'm going to go visit him extra, you know, and so forth. And, and, and I just say that because it's really interesting that when we did the memorial today, because when I was saying those things to Chuck and seeing him over there, he was never like that, you know. He got teary and he talked about it. It's, it's hitting him, how, all the beautiful times they've had together when I was over there and it hit your heart, you know. But it's interesting because uh, after the burial, when people were getting up and a lot of roses were, had been put on the casket and before they were, you know, dropped the body in, which, in, the, uh, in the ground, which we, didn't, we all didn't stay for, you know. Chuck didn't want to really see that part, you know. Uh, I looked and I saw Chuck and he was in the front row by himself and he had his head in his hands. He was crying, you know. And uh, I thought, wow. And I forgot it. I didn't think about my dream at that moment. I was just thinking, oh, it's got to be really, really hard right now. You know, it's just caught up in the moment, you know. And then uh, I'd already reached out to him a few times, you know, that day, a number of times. And, and then I was just let him have a moment alone, you know, for the casket. And uh, my wife's like, do you remember your dream? And I'm like, my dream. Because <laughs> I was, I told her, yeah, it wasn't at Blessed Hope. It was just in another setting. And it was exact angle and everything that I saw in this exact position. Boom, in my dream, I'm like, that was it. That's right from my dream. It was like a prophetic dream. It was real clear at that moment. And I went over there, you know, when he'd gotten up, just because I thought I'm supposed to let him be for a bit, you know, because he's just dealing with the Lord, and he's, I just love that guy, and, and I went over a couple more times to encourage him in the Lord, you know, when he got up and stuff, and talked to him, and told him I'd see him at the memorial, and we had some really, really good words, you know, and, uh, and I, what I'm saying, the reason I'm sharing this story, because it's fresh, it just happened today, and that happens a lot, and there's so many times those kinds of things happen to me that I don't write them all down. There's a few things I've shared before that are crystallized in my memory. And I'm like, but things will happen and then I'll move on because I'm always doing whatever the Lord has for me, trying to anyway. And my point is, is guess what? There's a scripture in the book, a place in the book of Job where it says sometimes God will give a person a dream. They'll wake up and not even know the Lord is speaking to them. And what I'm saying to you is there's many times God wants to do many wonderful things for him. And he tells us what to do in his word, amen? But he also, in James chapter one, it says if you lack wisdom, ask God, Amen? James 4 says, if you're thinking of moving over here to start a business over there, don't just move. Say, if it be the Lord's will, you're supposed to seek the Lord. Amen. So the Lord wants to lead you by his spirit in accordance with his word, never contradicting his word. But my point is, brothers and sisters, that it's imperative that we recognize we're the hands and feet of Jesus. It says, as he is, so are we in this world. In other words, and we're feeble, but he wants to use us as his hands and feet to minister to the nations, amen, and to build one another up. It says, it says, you know, in the scripture, you know, do good to all men, but especially to those who are of the household of faith, amen. We're supposed to be really seeking to be a blessing to anybody and everybody in Jesus' name. And what I'm trying to encourage you in is you have your own fingerprints physically, right? Everyone's getting given at least one on a human level, just humans in general, are given certain talents. But when you're born again into the kingdom of God, you become a citizen of the kingdom. You then have, each Christian has at least one spiritual gift, amen? 
And God wants to use each and every one of us to build up other believers. Don't look at the gifts that God has given you as insignificant. It says in the scripture that I can't say the hand, I have no need of you. We all work together. None of us are uh, indispensable. Oh, if this person was gone, oh, God would be losing. Well, no, guess what? God could rise up any of us. Anybody to do anything, right? He used a donkey, okay? So on one hand, we don't get proud, but on the other hand, guess what? We also recognize that we're the paintbrushes that God uses to paint his canvas, okay? We're the tools that God uses to reflect his glory. We're the living epistles that are read of men, amen? We, are, we have the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? We are seated with him in heavenly places because we are children of God through faith, and he wants to use us to proclaim his gospel, amen? So we have this wonderful opportunity while we're still on this planet to make our lives count for Jesus, amen? Are you making your life count for Jesus? Are you making sure that you're seeking and saying, God, let me have an, use me to have an impact in this world? Because we are, our lives are vapors, amen? We are only here a short time. So I encourage you in the name of Jesus Christ to be used of the Lord. And I pray, Lord, speak to me through dreams. Speak to me in whatever way you want so I don't miss what you have for me. Because in the midst of juggling a thousand and one things, I can miss a need right before me. And I, I'm, not, I'm just one person, so I'm not called to do everything. I'm one of billions of people on earth, and I'm one of millions of people in the kingdom of God. But guess what? He uses us all together. Amen? I can't do the soundboard, which the two brothers and one sister are doing back there. I can't hold up the 10-minute sign that Lenny's holding up right now. My arms aren't that long to get over there and do that. I didn't think about that. You know, I have to look at that. So you look at the clock because I just get caught up in preaching, you know. I'll look at the clock to a degree, but I need to look at it more sometimes. Can't do what Brian's doing. I can't do what you guys are doing, you know? Uh, because we all have different callings. We all have different gifts. God gifts us in different ways to be a blessing in a multifaceted way. It's not one, two, or ten people. It's, he uses millions of people. But the crazy, beautiful, wonderful, amazing thing is he uses you and me. Amen? He redeemed us. It says we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. But the next verse right there is so beautiful that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Amen? He wants to use each and every one of us. And I believe if we're saying, God, use me, there's all kinds of needs around us. There's all kinds of people that need to be comforted that I can't comfort all of them. I can't get my stuff done hardly, you know? I got a wife, I've got kids, I've got grandchildren, I've got brothers and sisters I'm constantly ministering to. I've got Good Fight Ministries, I've got videos we're constantly working on, I've got podcasts, I've got messages, I'm preaching, I'm working literally on seven messages a week. But at the same time, God will say, Joe, I get, I get it, Lord. I think you're speaking to me here. I think that was a pretty vivid dream. I'm not going to go out and say, I had a dream for sure from the Lord. I'm going to say, you know what, I think the Lord's speaking to me, baby. That's what I said to my wife right after it. And she's the one that said, don't you remember your dream? I go, this was it, this was the setting. If you remember, I said it was a totally different setting than Blessed Hope. But I think I'd see Chuck like that. And then I realized, wow, he's dealing with the fact that his, and he has a moment of silence. People weren't crowding around him. And he's just thinking of, wow, because she has been such, you see them worship together? That's something beautiful to behold. It just makes you want to worship God with them because they love Jesus so much. And I praise God that she's in his presence right now. Amen. Her race is over. Amen. Our races will soon be over. Let's give an incredible account for our lives. Amen. Let's enter into the joy, Lord, rejoicing that we did make our lives count for Jesus. Amen. That we didn't back off. That we were bold. 
until the end. You know, uh, I want to encourage you guys as well in recognizing that, uh, not only recognizing your calling and recognizing the Holy Spirit's with you and recognizing the Holy Spirit wants to use you in all kinds of settings, not just during the end times, but by way of application right now. But I want you to just, in your heart, say, Lord, by your grace, I want to determine by your grace and your strength not to be moved, amen, but to have composure and not freak out when things get hot because you've already shared these things with me that they would happen. But not only not to freak out, but to speak out, amen. I'm not gonna freak out, Lord, but I'm gonna speak out even if it costs me my head. Because it says in Revelation, the book Revelation, talks about those who refuse to take the mark of the beast on the right hand of the forehead and how they'll be beheaded. It's a real fast way of execution. And by the way, that's what the Muslims do to all kinds of professing Christians through the last few decades. They love to behead people. And I personally believe that the Islamic world will fall under the illusion of the Antichrist. I believe the false ecumenical movement will team up with the Islamic world and Christians will become the common enemy because we will proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and will not budge by the grace of God from the gospel and we'll be losing our heads. Lion can chew you up and swallow you, but that lion cannot swallow your soul. Amen? That's the good news. So I encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ to stand fast. And I look at my notes and I got through almost half my message. So first four basically is uh, two messages now, uh, A and B. And then I'm going to try to pick it up after that. But the Lord may stop me, slow me down even more. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, the Lord is good. Amen. Let's bow our hearts before him. Father God, we love you so much. You are so awesome. You are so beautiful. You are so wonderful. We pray in your son's name that you would use us, Lord, that we wouldn't freak out, that we would speak out, Lord, that we'd proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness, with kindness, that as Paul said, we speak the truth in love, Father, even as your son spoke the truth in love, and as his hands, his feet, as his mouthpieces on this planet, in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of a lot of hypocrisy and false signs and wonders and a lot of ugliness, Father, we praise you that in the book of Revelation, it talks about here, your bride will be made ready, Lord. She'll still stand and she'll be beautified and she'll be adorned, according to Revelation 19, with uh, bright garments, which are the righteousness, the righteous works, your word says, of the saints. We thank you that we have the garments of salvation through faith in Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And we thank you, Father, that we can also adorn those garments, Father, with good works because we've been created for good works in Christ Jesus. We pray that we would shine the light all the way to the end and that we'd recognize that we're not to make our lives in this world as though we're going to be here forever, for our lives here are short, that we would live our lives in such a way that we know that we're going to answer to you and be with you forever. May that reality sink deep into our hearts and may the way we wake up in the morning, the way we pray, reflect that we desire others to know the gospel. And may we begin praying now to be filled with your Holy Spirit and to speak boldly in the face of various circumstances so the testimony of Jesus can be proclaimed as we're led and filled by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.